Everyone in the world of marketing wants to be perceived as effective. We also want the marketing and communication campaign we run to be profitable. So what it is exactly that we need to take into consideration when measuring our ROI? Unfortunately, there is no simple answer to that question. For as long as different types of communication and goals are applied, an individualized approach and a fresh perspective is essential. You're listening to Brand Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Magda Urbaniak, and my guest today is Jamie Turner. Hey, Jamie, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Magdalena. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. I'm very happy that we can talk today about marketing and marketing strategy. So going straight to the first question, what is the best thing you've done for your business last week? Oh, that, that's a great question. Uh, here's what I did. I'm really getting into video these days. I've always been into video, but video is catching on with businesses around the globe. And so it's a great way to articulate big ideas that I have coming across. And one of the bigger ideas that I'm working on right now is something called nonlinear marketing. And nonlinear marketing is a new way that brands are going out to the marketplace to connect with consumers. It's a little bit of a nuanced and complex topic. So video was a great way to kind of explain it. And I last week uploaded a video to YouTube and then put it on my blog as a way to say, here's what nonlinear marketing is about. And if you're interested in it, then watch this short two minute video that explains it in greater depth. So that's that's one of the things I did. But that, that's a great question, because I think we always have to be thinking, what did I do to move the ball forward? And you need to be thinking about that every single day, every single week, every single month. So I love that question. Thanks for asking it. Yeah, I think this is the good question to uh, to think about what we've done because we are all very busy people and we constantly trying to do something to improve our business and our work. So sometimes it's good to, you know, to just uh, stand for a while and think what exactly is the best thing that I've done. And you mentioned about the video. So I have to ask if you think that this video, this is the hottest trend uh, for marketing right now. I do. And it's funny, about six or seven years ago, somebody wrote a book about, you know, this is the year of video. And I remember reading it six or seven years ago and thinking, this is the year of video. And then it never really caught on the way it's caught on in the past 18 months. And I think a little bit of it is just the the marketplace is ready for it. People's bandwidth and data uh, purchases for on their mobile devices have now opened up so people can watch longer form video without getting charged a lot of money for it. So I think it's kind of opened the, the channels up. And as you know, you know, people are saying more and more businesses and more and more people out there are going to be listening and watching video over the course of the next, uh, you know, the, the, the years to come because they are able to process things not only through their ears, but also through their eyes. And when you can do that, you really, it's a much more effective form of communication. So I'm diving into video pretty deeply. I'm doing videos all the time. I have ideas for new ways to do videos that expand on the current format I'm doing. But the whole purpose is, is let me get ahead of the curve. Let me get out in front of my competitors and dive into video so that I can, I can uh, establish a footprint early on so that people follow what I'm doing. And so that as more and more people jump into the video game, 
I already have a follower base and I've already got a footprint there so that I can really make that kind of uh, progress and make sure I'm not basically getting uh, swallowed up by all the other competitors out there. Um, yes, yeah, so, uh, what, what else I'd like to ask right now, because you mentioned that you agree that this is the uh, very, uh, very good trend to follow right now. And I'm also wondering, why do we like video that much? Is this because we get bored so fast or this is the way to entertain people who don't want to spend time on, on reading or reaching information? Or maybe there's other reason you, you think that people do really love video right now? Well, I think as a marketer, and that, that the, your question raises a large question, which is great. As a marketer, you're always trying to serve to your prospects information about your product or service in the way that they want to digest it. So if you think of marketing as a buffet table, you've got a lot of different ways that you can uh, serve things up. Well, here's the, here's the meat, here's the potatoes, here's the dessert, here's what you can drink. And then you let the people come to the buffet table and decide what they want. They may want salad today and just a soda to drink, or they may want meat and potatoes. It depends. So as a marketer, you're constantly trying to serve up different ways for people to digest what it is you're talking about. Video is one of the ways. Of course, blog posts are others. Traditional advertising is another. Podcasts like this one is another. What you're trying to do is make sure you're just offering people the content in the format they choose so that they can engage with it and kind of go deep with it. I think that the, the appeal of video is that, again, it's, it's, it's visual as well as oral with, with your ears. You're listening to it and you're seeing it, and that makes it much more appealing. It's not for everybody, but I think more and more people are starting to say, hey, this is a way for me to communicate or for me to connect with the brands I love, and it's a, it's a more robust and, and, and better way to do it because in the end, we're all looking for ways to connect with the brands we love, and if the brands are providing us a lot of different options, video, podcast traditional advertising, blog posts, all that sort of stuff. It gives us more opportunities to jump in with them and engage with the brand in the way we want to. So I think there's a lot to be said for video as well as all the other ways that people are communicating these days. Yeah, I agree. And this is a great insight. Uh, I, I think that it's all about engage, not only, but it's very important to engage people and find new ways to do so as they lose their attention very fast. Um, and my next question would be a bit generic, but I'm very curious what you'd like to uh, answer to this question, because I'm asking why, what does it mean to be an effective marketer? Yeah, great question. In the end of the day, what it means to be an effective marketer is really, are you generating the results that you're intending to generate? Uh, uh, all roads sh in marketing should lead to a return on investment. So anything you're doing should lead towards that. Sometimes that return happens a long time down the pike. So as an example, I've written two different books, one on social media, the other on mobile marketing. Both of those books weren't intended to sell uh, immediately and make a lot of money for me, although that would have been great. But my intent was, let me establish myself as a thought leader through the writings that I do in published books that will, in the long run, make me money by speaking engagements and other things that I do. So sometimes you have a long-term game plan, like with books. Other times you have a short-term game plan. For example, with paid search, you want, if you're going to run an ad on Google, you want somebody to click through on that and purchase your product. That's a very short sales cycle and you want it to happen pretty quickly. So in the end, 
an effective marketer is somebody who is always looking to the end game and always saying, hey, the net net is I want to make sure that I make money from whatever it is I'm doing today. Sometimes those things are long term, like writing books and the money isn't exactly coming in right away. Other times the money is coming in right away, like with paid search. So both those things have the same end goal, but sometimes the goal happens in a day and sometimes the goal happens in a year or two. You just have to keep your eye on the prize and make sure that you're focused on re your return on investment in the long run and the short run. Yeah, that's um, very good thought. And I, I think it deserves a separate quote from this interview. Uh, so what you said uh, exactly lead us to another thing that uh, I would like to know and, and ask. Uh, and what is the most accurate way to measure marketing ROI? Yeah, so it, I'm going to get complex here. So bear with me as we go through this. But I know uh, your team at Brand24 analyzes your own marketing in this way. And so those of you who are listening to the podcast and are really interested in kind of going deep, uh, follow along with me. It gets a little complex because it's based on math and math is an important thing in terms of ROI. Uh, in the end, the starting point for calculating a return on investment is to understand your customer lifetime value. Now, what is your customer lifetime value? That's the amount of money a customer, the average customer, is going to spend with your brand when they purchase your product or service. So in Brand24's case, you have a monthly fee that people pay. If the average customer stays with your brand for, uh, with your company for three years, then you take the monthly fee and multiply it by three years, and that gives you your customer lifetime value. So everybody listening to this podcast can pretty much do that. Well, I have a product that I sell and it's a recurring revenue model and I go ahead and do that. Or sometimes you just sell your product once. If you're a real estate agent and you're selling homes, you sell a product once, you sell the home once and you might make $3,000 from that. Well, once you understand that figure, Then you have to work backwards from there and say, if I'm going to make $3,000 from every customer that I close, and sometimes it may be you make $300, sometimes it may be that you make $30,000 or euros, it just depends on what part of the world you're in, you take about 10% of that customer lifetime value and then use that as your marketing budget in order to promote your product or service and sell somebody something. So going back to the real estate Uh, example, if I sell something for $3,000, that means I can spend $300 in order to capture people and convert them from a prospect to a customer so that I can ultimately make $3,000. That sounds easier than it is. And, and the folks at Brand24 know this as well as anybody does, because I know you guys are doing your marketing and you're calculating this as a way to make sure that you have a positive ROI. So let me do a quick recap because we talked about a lot of topics there, but the starting point is to understand your customer lifetime value, how much money you make from the average customer during the time that they stay with you. Then you take 10% of that amount and use that as your marketing budget on a per customer basis. So if you take 10% of whatever it is you're going to make, you have that to use as a way to drive prospects to your website and you got to drive 100 or 200 prospects to your website before you close one of those prospects and turn them into a customer. So remember, it's a little harder to do than you might think, but if you drive 100 prospects to your website and then one of them turns into a customer, 
and that customer generates that customer lifetime value, if you've done all the math properly, then it all works out great. It's a little bit it's a little bit complex because it's dealing with math and, and all that sort of stuff, but it is the way to calculate your ROI for any marketing campaign that you do. So also we, we maybe we can need to think about it that every single branch in the marketing requires different approach to measure ROI, uh, or maybe there's some stable ways that is are the same for everyone. But there's something, you know, there's some space uh, for each of them since they're different uh, to, to focus on. So uh, um, what would be those, let's say, those stable indicators that we need to focus uh, when we measure our, our why? So that's a great question, Magdalena, because you're running the podcast and the podcast isn't going to necessarily be easy to track a lead from the podcast that goes into your sales funnel. But there's value to the podcast because it's promoting the Brand24 brand. And that's a very important thing. So so your your question is a really good one because some things have a direct relationship. If you run a paid search campaign, you know exactly how much you spend. You know exactly how many people get to your landing page. You know exactly how many people you convert. And then you can do the math very easily. That that said, there are times where you want to do larger things that promote the brand as a way to go out and make sure that the brand is getting visibility out there. Because somebody who clicks through on a paid search ad from Brand24, as an example, they're going to say, wow, I listened to that podcast that Magdalena did, and it was really interesting. These guys really know what they're doing. I'm going to click through on this ad. They might not have done that if you hadn't done the podcast. The problem, the challenge is, is that your CFO, your chief financial officer, is sitting around going, show me exactly how the money that we spend on this branding play is affecting uh, our click-through rate on our ads. And you can't, there's, it's hard to do that exact tie. So you do have to use just wisdom and experience. And the data does show that the more powerful your brand, the better your marketing overall. So everything you're doing on the branding front, blog posts, podcasts, uh, just branding, advertising, all of those things that are big and broad and just designed to create awareness, that if you took those away, then you would start having less effective ads on the very tangible advertising that you're doing. So the branding side of the equation is equally important. It's just a little harder to prove to make a CFO comfortable with it because they, they like to see hard data. And the data around branding plays is really, hey, Coca-Cola has been doing it for years, running branding campaigns because they know in the long run, running a TV commercial, which isn't very easy to track the results of that TV commercial, works for them. We're using the same methodology Coca-Cola is, and we're tracking the more tangible things on the paid search side of the equation. So that's a great question, but it's an important one. And I think everybody understands the value of branding over just the value of doing things that are easily tangible in terms of a click-through rate and things like that. Thank you for saying that, because this is the thing that I personally uh, also trying to say to people that numbers are very very important but also we can we need to have uh to have the bigger picture about our marketing strategy and things that we are doing and not all of them will bring uh numbers so um this is exactly my my next question that i wanted to ask uh because 
I agree that math and numbers are super important for us at the, day, at the end of the day. Uh, but what else is important for marketers if it comes to, I don't know, measuring our effectiveness? Uh, here's one of the ways you can do it for, from a branding standpoint, and it goes back to older methodologies, but uh, you do a pre and post survey. So before you do your branding campaign, you can run a survey that says, how aware are you of our product or service? And then people re register that on, on the survey. And if you do more than 100 survey respondents, then you've got data that's reliable. It's really got to be above 100. Some companies will do 1,000 or 10,000. But as long as you get to about 100 survey respondents, then you know your data is reliable. On, on year one, you do that. In January of 2018, you do a survey. Then you run your branding campaign through the whole year. And then you go back and you do another survey in January 2019. And you see if people have, if you've had an uptick in the number of people who know you about your brand. That's called aided and unaided awareness. So unaided is tell me about companies that are in uh, sell widgets or whatever it is you're selling. And that's the unaided awareness. You find out how people, how many people know about your brand there. Then you do aided awareness. You say, are you familiar with Bob's widget company? And they go, no, I'm not really aware with Bob, of Bob's widget company. And if you're Bob and selling widgets, then you go, all right, not a lot of people are aware of us, but you do that aided an unaided survey again a year later, and then you see if it improved over the course of the year. And that's how you would measure the effectiveness of your brand campaign. So there are ways to measure it. It gets a little, little complex, but, uh, but in the end, if you really want to be able to walk into the CFO and say, we know for a fact that this is working for us, then you can do that kind of a survey. Most companies, I'll be honest with you, just know that branding is important and they understand it. So they support their 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 uh, their marketing campaigns with branding work that is designed to generate awareness for the brand and things like that. Yeah, definitely, this is a great idea to to track another way to track our effectiveness. Um, yeah. So um, I, I'm now I'm starting to doing this thing for our brand uh, also, and I think that those two last questions that you replied is the huge topic, and uh, I think it works to be uh, expanded maybe in next episode. So because it's I think it's crucial for people to know that uh, since they have no exact idea how to measure their effectiveness in so many ways that, uh, that we can check them. Um, so maybe we can think about it <laughs> after this episode. I, I hope so. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Jamie, you're a very known marketer and um, I'm sure that it's because you, your work brings extremely good results. And I would like to know if you would share the most effective marketing hack you have used in your strategy in the past. That's a good question. Uh, the, you know, it, I do a lot of different things. Uh, for me, it's less, to be honest with you, it's less about one hack that I did, and it's really more about consistently trying to generate awareness and do things 
on a consistent basis over the long haul. So I've been blogging on the 60 Second Marketer for nine or 10 years now. I've been doing video since the very beginning on the 60 Second Marketer, although as we talked about, we've that's kind of ramped up recently. Uh, but for me, it's really about trying to do as many different things as I can across a broad range of uh, options so that people see me in a lot of different places, either the books or the speeches I do around the globe or the blog posts I write for my own blog or the blog posts I write for other blogs or the videos I do or all those things. So my goal is to be ubiquitous, to be everywhere I possibly can be. What I'm focused on, if I have a hack right now, what I'm more and more focused on is trying to think through is what I'm doing at this very moment going to move the ball forward for my brand? And I used to kind of just do everything and I just let the cards fall where they might. So in other words, I just mean I do everything and then and then I would let thing if, if it worked, it worked. If it didn't work, it didn't work. I didn't care. I was just going to do everything I could. Now, as I'm getting more sophisticated about it, I'm trying to make sure that I'm thinking through very carefully I'm going to go spend an hour or two doing this, whatever it is I'm doing. Is that really going to move the ball forward for my brand? Or is it something I should avoid doing because it's really not going to move the needle? So so the short answer to your question is, I don't have one hack that I do. My biggest hack, though, is trying to be ubiquitous, trying to be everywhere I possibly can be, speeches, blog posts, videos, all that sort of stuff, books, everything. But then also trying to be better about uh, only doing the things that are getting the the biggest results for me because I can't do it all. I have to start zeroing in and focus my efforts on what's going to move the needle for my brand. And so that's the biggest hack I'm doing right now is focusing my efforts on things that are actually going to move the ball forward for my brand. So when I'm listening to what you're saying, I think that a marketer, an effective marketer like you is a person that uh, keeps eyes always open and is very busy also because you you have to all the time track the newest trends and, and things that, that change and, and you can implement them in your strategy. Uh, so I, I, I'm curious if is there anything in your daily routine that you do every day or every week uh, to keep you know things in order and every day just do something that will bring you new insights, news, information, or maybe just help you to make your own brainstorming? Yeah, there's there's three things I do that help me. One is I have yellow stickies, the little, uh, you know, notepads that that I write notes to myself on and I put them on my wall in front of me to remind me of things. Um, one of those things for me personally is uh, don't it says don't work on what you feel like working on instead work on what makes uh, moves the ball forward for your business. So it's a reminder to myself to not work on what I want to work on as much as work on things that are going to grow my business in some way, shape or form. So the, the, the number one thing I do is I look at the yellow stickies to remind me about what I'm supposed to focus on from a business angle. The second thing is I'm a big believer in zeroing out my inbox, my emails every day to stay ahead of the curve. I know a lot of people feel like they can't do that because it's just too overwhelming, but I'll work into the evening in order to make sure that I zero it out. For me personally, if I don't do that, I get overwhelmed 
overwhelmed and everything just keeps coming at me and and then I get behind and then people feel like I'm not responding quickly enough to their emails. So I'm a big believer in zeroing out your inbox every day. And then the final thing is I actually meditate. I try to meditate twice a day. I sit down literally just like you see people do with my legs crossed and in the lotus position. I do it in my office when I walk in and I also do it after I eat lunch. And that clears my mind and helps me uh, be actually a better professional. So it's a little off topic because I know you wanted to focus on things like email hacks and things like that. But No, no, but no. Really, it's, a, it's okay. Truly, it's totally okay. It's very interesting yeah. too. Yeah, it really, it really has cleared my mind and helped me be a much more effective uh, person. In fact, uh, 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 one of the people who does a, another podcast interviewed 100 different top executives around the globe. And they said uh, 94 of the 100 that they interviewed were meditating in some form or fashion. So meditation can come in the form of just going for a jog or it can come in the form of something more traditional uh, that I do, which is literally doing a mantra and, and doing that. But I do it every day and it's been a game changer for my business. And I can't speak highly enough about the impact meditation has had on my business and my overall well-being and the overall balance in my life. This is very good you're saying that because you, you mentioned that I'm, I'm want, I rather prefer to focus on marketing stuff. But uh, believe me that when I talk with marketers and CEO and people who are extremely busy and, and they run their own businesses or they work in, uh, in companies, they also emphasize the value of taking a rest, sleep, meditating and, and things like this. So I think it's all you know, correlated. It's all works together that we have to, to say about things that will boost our work. But we also need to emphasize that, guys, we need to take a rest. We we need to just for a while step out from, from the crowd and, and focus on ourselves. Uh, and this is very important thing that uh, we, we were talking about this. So thank you for that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's super important. And for a while, let's go to, to your blog, this is 60 Second Marketer, uh, because we can find articles on artificial intelligence, social listening, social media platforms, and things like this also uh, between others. Uh, and these topics uh, arose in last years. And I would like to ask, what is the biggest difference between marketing we run right now and uh, that one we practiced like three or five years ago and what is the most significant change we need to adapt right now yeah that's a that's actually something i've been working on uh for about a year now um the the i was looking at marketing today versus marketing previously and i was realizing that marketing in a lot of ways is getting less and less effective so if you look at data that shows how people across the globe, but mostly in the United States, are starting to watch less and less TV, and they're starting to um, do things, and, and they're starting to resist advertising messages. How do you reach those people when they don't want to hear your message anymore? And so I started looking at this and going, wow, there's some change that's going on, and labeled it nonlinear marketing. So linear marketing, the traditional method of marketing, was for us to interrupt whatever it was you were doing, whether you were reading a magazine article, reading a newspaper, watching TV, it didn't matter. We were going to interrupt what you were doing in order to sell 
sell you something. So that was a very abrasive thing to do because people are going along in their car, they're listening to radio, to music, and then it gets interrupted with somebody trying to sell them something. What's going on now is brands are going in and saying, hey, we want to we want to not do that as much, not interrupt your life as much, as much as we want to become part of your life. So if you look at what Red Bull does, if you look at what Starbucks does, if you even look at what Swatch does, a lot of those brands are starting to make their advertising and marketing more part of the consumer's life. So what do I mean by that? Well, nonlinear marketing is about weaving the fabric of the brand into the into the fabric of the consumer's life. So in other words, the brand becomes part of the consumer's life through events, through sponsorships, through music, through things that they do that are much more subtle. So instead of going in and interrupting your life and saying, hey, I want to sell you something, nonlinear marketing, which is what people are doing more and more of now, is about the brand becoming part of your life and engaging you in a way that almost doesn't feel like advertising. And the best practitioner of that right now is Red Bull. They've got all these things that they do around the globe designed to make the brand part of the consumer's life in a more subtle way. And I think that's a really powerful and good thing because it makes the brand uh, have a longer lasting relationship with the consumer. Instead of it being interrupting for 30 seconds, they're becoming part of the consumer's life, which is way more powerful than interrupting them. So the biggest change to answer your question is going from linear marketing to nonlinear marketing. And nonlinear marketing is about the brand weaving itself into the fabric of the consumer's life so that the brand becomes part of the consumer's life instead of interrupting the consumer's life. Wow, that's a great conclusion. And uh, I even started thinking about this and, and I totally agree that we need to change the approach to people that we're trying to reach since they uh, they also know how advertising is working and maybe it would be also somehow connected with influencer marketing which I am huge fan of uh, and I think this is something that will work right now since we we know as I said how advertising trying to get in our lives and we kind of resist let's say we we, we know how to block ourselves from from there so uh, solving problems it's way more important than trying to just disturb people and and uh, grab their attention i i think so um yeah. and for mm, the conclusion and uh, my regular question to my wonderful guest is what is the one book you'd like to recommend or maybe website or author to follow Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's funny cause I read so many different books. I literally on my bed stand, I've got, uh, I, honest to God, I've got 12 or 15 books stacked up and I'm, I'm always reading parts of them at all times. Uh, although I zero in on, on some, um, the a book I'm reading right now is called hacking growth and it's by Sean Ellis. And he basically talks a lot about Without using the term nonlinear marketing, he talks a lot about hacks that marketers are using in order to grow their business through non-traditional methodologies. And that's exactly what nonlinear marketing is, is growing your business through non-traditional methodologies that, in, that, that again, weave the fabric of the brand into the life of the consumer. So, so that's, that's uh, one of the books I'm reading right now. It's called Hacking Growth. I like that a lot. I also do read a lot of history and a lot of... Um, 
uh, books about uh, politics and things like that. I always love those books, too. It's my way of relaxing. But Hacking Growth is a great book uh, if you get a chance to read it. I definitely need to try it. I haven't heard about it, but now I will I will check it. Uh, so thank you very much for this interview. And as I said before, I hope this is not our last interview. Since I'd like to talk more about how to measure our marketing effectiveness and how many things we need to consider when we uh, track our traffic and, and things that we generate and want to see its effect. So once again, uh, Jamie, thank you very much for your time uh, and for this great great interview that you just gave me and hopefully we'll hear you in next episode of brand talks that sounds great magdalena thanks for the invitation i really do appreciate it thank you very much bye bye